Well, good morning. We are starting a brand new series today called His Presence. In the next few weeks, we're going to see that the presence of God makes all the difference. In all areas of life, the presence of God makes the difference in our lives. If you're going through anxious days, you need His presence, don't you? If worship is to be real, it will be in response to His presence. If you're struggling through grief, you need His presence. If God is calling you to serve Him in some way, you need His presence. If you need guidance about your future and you're trying to figure out what your future holds, you need His presence. We're going to see in this series that throughout the Bible again and again, The presence of God made the difference. The presence of God made the difference between defeat and victory. The presence of God made the difference between despair and hope. The presence of God made the difference between fear and courage. The presence of God made the difference between giving up and going on. The deciding factor in so many areas of our life is not our strength or our resources or our determination because, let's face it, eventually that wears out, doesn't it? Eventually it proves to be inadequate. And probably that's where some of you are right now. You're running on empty. Your strength, your resources have proved inadequate. Your strength and your resources have kind of run out. Maybe for some of you, you're even about to cash it all in. You're, you're, you're ready to walk away from God. You're ready to walk away from church. You're perhaps even ready to walk away from your family. Because you're at the end of your rope. You're at the end of your strength. You're at the end of your resources. And you don't see it getting any better. You don't see any improvement on the horizon. So here's what I want you to learn in this series. The thing that changes our outlook and sometimes our outcome is His presence. We're going to see that again and again and again throughout this series. That the thing that changes our outlook and the thing that sometimes changes our outcome is His presence. Let me tell you a story about a man who knew from personal experience the value of God's presence. If I were to give you his name right now, you'd immediately know the man. You would likely know the story. Let me try to paint the picture for you before we open God's Word. This man one day was walking by himself. He was out in the middle of the desert, tending his sheep. And he saw something he had never seen before. In fact, he saw something probably no one has ever seen before. He he saw a bush was burning. Now, others had seen perhaps a bush burning, but there was something different about this bush. It burned, but it didn't burn out. It continued to burn. And the more he watched it, the more he realized there was something different about it. And it burned, but it didn't burn out. And he began to walk towards the bush. And as he walked towards the bush, when he got close to the bush, all of a sudden he heard a voice. And the voice says, take off your shoes because the place you're standing is holy ground. He suddenly found himself in the presence of God. You know who I'm talking about by now. This man's name was Moses, and 
And it's the story in Exodus chapter 3 of his encounter with God at the burning bush. God tells Moses at the burning bush that he has an assignment for him. And I want you to read this with me. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. This is not going to be our text, but it's going to set up our text. In Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said, to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, you would have said that too. I would have said that. Let's pretend that God said, okay, today, that God said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get on a plane, I want you to fly to the Middle East, and I want you to go appear before one of the leaders of those Middle Eastern countries, and I want you to tell them to let those Christians that are in prison out, and you bring them home with you. And if you were given that assignment, you would probably say, who am I to go all the way to the Middle East and appear before the president of this country and tell the guy in Iran that he needs to let these Christians go? Who am I to do something like that? That was the question that Moses had. Now look at the, as we continue the story, look at verse 12. After Moses asked, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Verse 12, get your pen ready. And God said, I will be with you. Don't miss that. Underline that in your Bible. I will be with you. I know what I'm asking is huge. I know that you'll have to stand before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. I know that what I'm asking seems almost impossible, but you need to know this. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. If we had the time to read the, the entire story, uh, it would be wonderful, but for the sake of time, let me fast forward and explain what happens. That promise, I will be with you, was a good promise, but Moses still had questions. He still had excuses. He still had doubts. He was still struggling with the idea, who am I that I should go do this? And, and he kept trying to talk his way out of it. Have you ever done that with God? Have you ever tried to talk your way out of something? Have you ever tried to give God excuses why you can't or shouldn't do what he's asking you to do? That was Moses. And he kept telling God, I, I, I can't... I, uh, there's lots of reasons why I can't. And eventually, though, he gives in. And eventually, he starts walking towards Egypt. Eventually, he starts heading towards the most powerful man on planet Earth at that time, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he was walking towards the most powerful man on the planet with these words ringing in his ears. I will be with you. I will be with you. By the time he got there, 
He stood before Pharaoh with great boldness and with great certainty. And he, he was God's man for that time because he had become convinced that God was telling the truth, that God was indeed with him. And he saw God do miraculous things with the signs and the wonders. And, and each sign and each wonder, each miracle was evidence that God indeed was keeping His promise. That God was indeed with him. And when Moses and his people left Egypt, guess what? There was a, a cloud in the sky by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it was a reminder, a visible reminder that what God said at the burning bush was still true. I will be with you. It was a reminder of the nearness and the presence of God. And as they continued on that journey when they stood at the edge of the Red Sea and no possible way of going forward, the Egyptians coming towards them, the sea in front of them, all of a sudden the waters parted, they walked across on dry land, and I wonder if it didn't ring in Moses' ears again. I will be with you. Another visible sign of God's presence. Another visible sign that God makes the difference. His presence makes the difference. And when God brought forth the water from the rock, when they're in the middle of the desert, they had nothing to drink, and God brought forth water from the rock, it was a visible sign. His presence makes the difference. And when they were hungry and they had no food, and God sent manna, and God sent quail, another visible sign that His presence makes the difference. Another example that God was keeping His promise. I will be with you. You see, wherever they went, whatever they faced, it was always God's presence that made the difference in their situation. And that's what makes what God said to Moses in Exodus 33 so startling. We know what God said in Exodus 3. But what God said in Exodus 33 was startling. Let me show you what I mean. Go over 30 chapters to Exodus 33. We're kind of picking up the story in the middle of the story, but we'll catch up if you'll listen closely. In chapter 33, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place. They're at Mount Sinai. And the Lord said, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Watch this. Look. Red alert, but I will not go with you. But I will not go with you. Wait a minute. Time out, God. <laughs> I remember at the burning bush, you promised, I will be with you. Now all of a sudden, as they're leaving Mount Sinai, God says, you all go on. But this is as far as I go. I will not go with you anymore. Imagine that feeling that Moses must have had. I mean, you've had people back out on you, right? People who said they're going to go with you to the mall, or they're going to go with you on vacation, or they're going to go with you to the concert. And then they call up and say, ah, I'm sorry, I can't go. I'm not going to be able to go. You know what that feel like, feels like when some person backs out on you. What does it feel like when God backs out on you? What's the feeling when all of a sudden God says, I'm not going? 
Suddenly Moses is faced with the possibility he may have to finish the journey to the promised land without God going with him. Which makes us ask the question, what in the world happened between Exodus 3 and Exodus 33? Why was God refusing to go with his people? Well, thankfully he tells us right there in verse 3. He says, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. The word stiff-necked means stubbornly refusing to go where God wants them to go. You're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you, so I'm not going any further. I'm very familiar with the word stiff-necked. I have learned a little bit about stiff neck recently from my dog, Ginger. You know about my dog. She's a beagle, basset, hound mix, a mutt. We call her a demon dog. Uh, she, is just, she is just a headache. Um, but Ginger loves to go on walks. She loves to go outside. But on July the 4th, what did they shoot off on July the 4th? Fireworks. My dog is terrified of fireworks. When she hears fireworks, it doesn't matter where she is. If she's outside, she hears fireworks. She turns immediately and she runs to the house. And she goes in the house and she goes into the bathroom that doesn't have a window in the middle of the house and she sits in there and quivers and lays there, just stays there. And for days and days and days after July the 4th, she didn't want to go outside. And eventually, you know, nature calls, you've got to go outside a little bit. But as soon as she goes outside, she's right back in. She loves to go on walks until July 4th. Now, we'll, Ginger, you want to go on a walk? And she used to go berserk. She, yeah, I want to go on a walk. And now you put the leash on her, you get her out to the driveway, and all of a sudden, she smells uh, black powder or something in the air. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, she gets stiff-necked. She's got the collar on, got the leash on her. I can't pull her. She stops. And she's not going. I mean, I I try to coax her. I try to talk to her. I try to explain to her it's okay. I I try to reason with her. Have you ever tried to reason with a dog? It just doesn't work very well. I mean, she needs counseling. She really does because (laughs) she just won't go. She just, all of a sudden, she's just stiff-necked. We've tried everything in the world to get her to budge I know she's going to be okay if she'll go with me. I know she needs to go potty if she'll go with me. I know that she needs some exercise and she's been in the house all day, but once she gets a whiff of black powder, she stops. Neck gets stiff and she resists and she's not going. We finally got over July 4th and then it became dove season. Now we're right back at it again. Not going. That's the word. When God says, you have become stiff-necked, that's the word. God says, I'm not going any further because you have become unresponsive. You refuse to go where I want you to go. You refuse to obey me. See, here's what happened. While Moses was up on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, the people of God were at the bottom and and they, while waiting, decided that they would fashion a God themselves, a God of their own making. And they built that, they made that golden calf and they worshipped it and they offered 
their praise to that idol for bringing them out of Egypt. God saw that and God says, I'm not going to respond and go with you anymore. Look in chapter 32, verse 7. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Chapter 32, verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is while Moses was on the top of the mountain, Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments. Go down because your people, <laughs> I love that, because your people, parents, have you ever, have you ever said, your son, <laughs> your daughter, you know what they did. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. They leave, now, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. Then I'll make you into a great nation. The word stiff-necked literally means unresponsive. God said they are an unresponsive people. It's used to describe a, a horse or a mule who refuses to respond to the direction of its owner. Uh, some of you are farmers. Maybe you've had a horse or a mule like that. You know, the, the phrase, stubborn as a mule. Refusing to respond. I, I heard about this Quaker who had a stubborn mule. Nobody could get that mule to do anything. And he bought the mule, and they thought, well, this is going to be fun because the Quaker certainly is not going to be able to do anything with this guy. And the mule would do anything that the Quaker wanted him to do. One day somebody asked him, how in the world did you get that mule to change? Because you've never raised your hand against that mule. You've never even raised your voice to that mule. How did you get that mule to change? He said it was really quite simple. One, the first day I bought him, I, I tried to get him to go, and he was stiff-necked. And so I walked over to him, and I whispered in his ear, Thou knowest that I am a Quaker. Thou knowest that I cannot raise my hand to thee. But if thou dost not do what I say, I will sell thee to a Baptist and he will beat thee to death. <laughs> he knew how to get his mule's attention, right? God knew how to get his people's attention. You know what God said? God said, I'm not going anymore. This is as far as I go. I'll send an angel so that you're not going by yourself. The angel will, will clear the way, help you defeat the armies. But I will not go with you any further. Let me ask you a question. Could it be that the reason you don't feel God's presence in your life is because you have become stiff-necked? stubbornly refusing to respond to what God has for you to do. Stubbornly refusing to give up perhaps a sin that has become your pet sin. Is there any area of your life where you've become unresponsive to the voice of God and the leading of God? You may think that you're getting away with it and you may even think that God somehow approves of it. But in reality, you are living without the manifest presence of God in your life. You say, well, Pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't it say in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you? It sure does. And that's why God says, I'm going to send an angel 
And the angel will go with you. And the angel will clear the way. God did not abandon His people. And God will not abandon you. But at the same time, God cannot and will not fellowship with the people who refuse to follow Him. God cannot and will not fellowship with people who are stiff-necked and are refusing to do what He says. We can live outside of the manifest presence of God. God will never leave us completely, but we'll not know the joy of His presence. We will not know the nearness of His presence. You see, the relationship that the people of Israel had did not end with God. The relationship with God was not over, but the fellowship with God was broken. It's possible to know God and no longer feel His presence. I'm going to be very, very clear. God will never leave you. Listen, listen, listen. God will never leave you, but your sin will make it feel like He has. So fast forward the story, and Moses now is pleading with God to go with him. Because Moses is basically saying, listen, I appreciate the angel that you're going to send with us, but there's no substitute for your presence. There's no substitute for you going with me. And so Moses is pleading with God to come with him. Let's pick up the story in chapter 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You just said it was an angel. You didn't say who, what kind. You didn't tell me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me. In other words, if that's really true. Teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. I don't want favor with an angel. I want favor with you. Remember, I love this part, remember that this nation is your people. These are not my people. These are your people. These people are not my responsibility. These are your responsibility. Remember, can I remind you what we talked about at the burning bush? These are your people. Verse 14, God agrees with with Moses. Verse 14, the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That wasn't enough for Moses. He wanted to be double dog sure. So he says in verse 15, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. Translation, if you're not going, I'm not going. If you're, not going to send, if you're not going to go with us, don't let us leave this place. I don't want to be away from your presence. Keep reading now. Verse 15. Or 16. He asks a question. as a powerful question. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? I wonder if Moses wasn't thinking about the experiences of the past few months. Standing before Pharaoh, or standing before the Red Sea, or standing before thirsty and hungry people, and realizing he was not standing alone. Realizing that whatever he faced, wherever he was, He always had God with him. His one hope in every experience, his one hope in every trial, the one certainty that he had, no matter where he was or what he was facing, 
the one certainty that he had was God was with him. And the thought of continuing this journey without God's manifest presence was unthinkable. And he asked this important question that I want us to focus on the next few minutes. What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples of the face of the earth? What else is there that would distinguish us from anybody else except, God, your presence? Moses was saying this, God, the only thing that makes us different from all the other nations around us is you. That's the only thing. It's not our numbers, it's not our military, it's not our accomplishments. The only thing that distinguishes us is you. Your presence in our lives makes the difference. You know, throughout history, nations have distinguished themselves in various ways. The Egyptians are known for their pyramids and their mathematics. The Romans are known for their military and their empires. The Greeks are known for their politics and the Olympic Games. Moses said the only thing really that marks us, the only distinguishing factor for us, God is you, your presence. Can I say to you that's still true in 2014? The only thing that makes you different from anybody else, wherever you, wherever you go to work, wherever you live, where, you, know, you go to school, whatever it is, the only thing that sets us apart as different from those who don't know God is the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not because we're better people. It's not that we're more moral. It's not that we're nice. I, I've known some really nice lost people. In fact, I've known some lost people who are nicer than the so-called Christian people. Sometimes they treat you better than Christians do. The, the only thing that separates us, that distinguishes us, that marks us as different from all the other people on the planet is one thing. That is the presence of God in our life. It's the only thing. So I want to ask you a question. Is it evident that God is present with you? You see, the people who, war- who live around you and work around you and hang around you, is it evident to them that there's something different about you? Now, honestly, they may not know what the difference is. They may not be able to articulate, oh, the difference is you have God with you. But they ought to be able to see that there is, some, is a difference. Can I put it to you this way? Do the people that you hang around with, associate with, work with, live with, do they know, do they know that you are a Christian? And you don't even have to tell them. They just know it. You don't, even, you don't have to wear a sign. You don't have to carry a, a three-pound King James Bible. The, they just know something Something is different. And the difference is the presence of God. The difference is not you. The difference is the God who lives in you. Amen? But, if you are stiff-necked, if you are resistant and unresponsive to what God is wanting to do in your life, His manifest presence will not be evident. And there will be no difference between you and that lost person at work. 
There'll be no difference between you and those who do not know God. So it's my prayer and it's my desire for you and for me that this week when you're tempted to compromise your integrity and, and do something perhaps you shouldn't be doing as a follower of Christ, that maybe you would remember God's presence makes the difference. So my prayer that this week when you're at school and you're wondering, how can I impact this person for Christ? You might realize it's not me, it's the God who lives in me. God's presence makes the difference. Or this week when you're tempted to think that, that you know, you're, you're, you're kind of get full of yourself. God's pretty lucky to have you on His team. You might realize God's presence makes the difference. Or this week when you're tempted to get stiff-necked and ignore what you know God is telling you. I pray that you'll remember it's God's presence that makes the difference. What else would distinguish us from all the other people on the planet except His presence? Let me pray with you. I thank You, Father, that You are with us and You do indeed never leave us. You never forsake us. But there are times when because of our sin and we get stiff-necked, we don't experience Your manifest presence. It is not evident that You're there. So if anyone today, Father, needs to respond to Your voice, if Your Spirit is convicting them of an area in their life where they have become stiff-necked, if they are wondering why they don't feel Your presence anymore, Show them, Lord, what they need to do. May our hearts be pliable. May our wills be bendable. May our ears be ready to respond to Your voice. And may we feel and experience Your presence with us. Because it's Your presence that always makes the difference. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.